0: Hi there. Welcome to today's episode of You Are Your Own Employee. Right. So in today's podcast, I'm basically just going to be talking from a place of inspiring your mind to focus on the most important part of the equation of your life, which is you. The first thing I need to say to you today is it starts and ends with you. Your assignment is to figure out where you fit into everything else. Where you fit into your family, where you fit into your community, where you fit into your world. You are your first responsibility. It is interesting to me how life can play out in such a way that you forget this singular fact. Expand yourself attending to everything else but the most important thing which is you. Everything begins with you. Your ability to impact your world is begins with you. Your ability to be a good parent begins with you. Your ability to be a good spouse begins with you. Your ability to be a good relative, a good brother, a good, a good sister begins with you. Your ability to be a great employee, a great business owner, you know, it begins with you. It all begins with you, 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 right? I want now to tell you is your responsibility is to empower yourself with the knowledge, the wisdom and the skill to play your part. This is tremendously important, right? almost everyone is in business you need to realize this you have your time your skills your experience your personality and some other attributes that you are bringing to the market called life and in light of this you need to realize that you are your first business and you are your first ceo you are in the business of the market of life to succeed right think about the rich doctor and and the broke doctor to be a doctor there that you have to go through the same process that every other individual who is a doctor has to go through. It is such a specific field of knowledge and work that getting to that point after so many years and saying that, oh yeah, I'm a doctor is, is not a walk in the pack. But there are doctors that are successful and there are doctors that are broke. Why? The answer is in their business skills. Their business skills. What do I mean their business skills? The rich doctor. You know, is based on how he built his practice, how he markets himself, how he develops his reputation, how he establishes himself in the community of people in which he moves, in which he lives, and all of this determines their success. Not necessarily what they got out from college with 20 or 30 years ago, whatever was the first class or two one. So he must understand the business of you, right? The business of you. The business of you is so important. Understand that this world revolves around the value that is generated and made available by the you portion of the equation, right? And and that's something, so you must understand. You, you must understand people. You must understand the equation and the logic of the human being, right? You must understand what motivates people. You must understand what motivates you to do the things you do, right? And the answer to that question is not gonna. It's not. It's not as complex, right? it's not as complex as you might imagine okay and knowing it will be most helpful to you first you need to understand the difference between physical and spiritual things now when i say spiritual i do not in any way refer to anything necessarily to do with god morality heaven or anything else you may think when you hear that word spiritual within the you know mindset of religion no 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 Uh, You must know the difference between the physical and the spiritual. So what do I mean by spiritual, right? I use spiritual in a scientific sense. I use spiritual to refer to things that cannot be measured in a laboratory. Physical or material things can easily be measured with standard laboratory instruments whereas spiritual things cannot be measured. When a band records a piece of music, for example, you can easily measure the tune's volume, right? You can even perform a frequency spectrum analysis to discover whether most of the tune is in treble or whether it's in bass. However, you cannot measure whether fans will consider the tune worth purchasing. There is no machine that can foretell whether a particular piece of music will make humans feel sad or glad, right? Volume and frequency are material. Or the physical qualities of the music, whereas the value of the music and its emotional impact on the audience are spiritual. Right, I'm just gonna share with you three rules I discovered, I learned, right, uh, from a certain genius, Rabbi Lapin, right, three rules that can help you distinguish between the physical and the spiritual. Rule one is physical things can be destroyed, whereas spiritual things cannot be destroyed. Quick example you may be able to smash a guitar and destroy it but you cannot obliterate a tune. Rule two, physical, team, physical things rather can tolerate imperfection. Spiritual things need to be precise imagine or consider the blueprint the architecture draws up for the building of a building. When you look at the blueprint of an an architect, right, it is specific. The measurements are specific. The distance between spaces are exact. Everything is specifically measured. But if you go into the actual building that is put up on the basis of the architectural blueprint and you measure, for example, maybe you measure the distance between the floor and you'll find out that they are different differences between certain segments of the roof, right? You will see some one, two, three inches imperfections in the actual building, right? And and that's okay. But nobody will really notice this discrepancy. But if a blueprint has these kinds of discrepancies and a building is built based on those discrepancies, the calamity will be disastrous. The result will be disastrous. Alright? So, physical things can tolerate imperfection. Spiritual things need to be precise. Third rule is that the spiritual element of an event must precede its physical actualization. Again, the same example of an architect's blueprint. That blueprint needs to be drawn up before the task or the you know yeah the task of building the house has commenced right a business plan must be written before you start the business a baby's conception must precede his birth conception is more of a spiritual moment right you know i'm not referring to the romance of the instant but to the fact that virtually no mass is involved in that moment of conception right so that's the third rule so you must understand that look a a major portion a major portion of what drives the world of what drives this life is the spiritual side of it which you know is that side that basically just captures value intangible value okay so how you have the doctor builds his practice how he markets himself develops a reputation establishes himself in the communities of people in which is, all of these things are intangible right the knowledge the scientific knowledge right, of, of, of how he became a doctor, the reading of the chemistry, the physics, the biology, you know, is on one side, on the other side is how he's able to create intangible value as an individual, you know, and, you know, position himself to succeed in that business of life. So again, my assignment, my passion here is to show you, you are your own employee. This is significantly, extremely important. I want you to repeat it after me. I am my own employee, right? One of the most beautiful, things about entrepreneurship that I love is that pressure is that is that is that is that responsibility it puts on you to be innovative creative strategic to create solutions to problems is what entrepreneurship is right and except you're in the top management level or mid-management level in an organization you most likely are just performing operational and monotonous work now does that make quit your job no but it suggests the importance of taking an entrepreneurial approach to your activities and as a person. Okay, you are your own employee. And in rounding up to this podcast, I'd like to share with you a number of what I call, what is called uh, cognitive traps. These are mental inhibitions. On our minds as human beings that operates for everyone except people who have deliberately undone them. What are some of these you know, mental or cognitive traps? One, availability bias. What is availability bias? The availability bias causes us to base decisions on information that is more readily available in our memories rather than the data we really need. Our mind tricks us. Because it's coming from within, you automatically are already biased towards it. Be careful. It's called the availability bias. Hindsight bias number two causes us to attach higher probabilities to events that have happened than we did before they happened. So, for example, I remember when I I got into a particular fight and I was in secondary school. This is so high school. This is many, many, many years ago. And I remember this particular incident. After the the fight and then I I started to, in my imagination, tell myself, no, you should have thrown this right hook. You did this left jab. You should have blocked this right punch and give him a uppercut. You know, you are just analyzing in hindsight probabilities events after they have happened you know there's a bias problem of induction is a third one this problem, this bias, this trap leads us to formulate general rule on the basis of insufficient information. You must have all heard the great old adage where women or people generally say, all men are scum, right? You know, <laughs> formulating general rule on, you've not experienced all the, maybe what, 4.5 billion men on the earth? How do you know they are all scum, right? So, the fifth, one, two, three, the fourth one, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias causes us to look for confirming evidence of an initial hypothesis rather than falsified evidence that will disprove it Hmm. interesting this one happens to all of us you made up your mind about something and all of a sudden your mind just starts to look for more information to support this thing you've already made your mind about because what you're really doing is you're out to confirm a decision you've already made and so you will readily turn your back against information that seems to suggest your confirmation or your decision is inaccurate. Contamination effect, another cognitive trap. This one is where we allow irrelevant but proximate information to influence a decision. Irrelevant but proximate. Irrelevant but proximate. Because imagine, you know, you are more open to the words of a very close friend than a stranger. Not necessarily because the words of the stranger are are inaccurate, but simply because your friend is closer to you. So this is contamination effect. Another bias, we call it the affect heuristic. This is, the the affect heuristic trap is where preconceived value judgment interfere with your assessment of cost-benefit i live in nigeria right one of the major things i've experienced living in nigeria is the situation of uh, 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 okay so for example growing up in nigeria let me say like this whenever i saw a person smoking or drinking i I subconsciously just had the mindset that oh this is an irresponsible person right so this was me using a value judgment approach in determining or in carrying out cost-benefit assessments totally wrong Yep, smoking and drinking has nothing to do with a person being responsible or irresponsible in itself it depends on its usage right whether you get into the excessive usage of the thing so for example there are people who Um, You know, their way of dealing with depression is that they eat and eat and eat and eat and and become obese. Is anything wrong with food? No! It is the use of it that has caused the problem. Okay? Uh, So, um, alcohol has its medicinal effect. Excess is the issue. Cigarette has its medicinal uh, effect. Excess is the issue. Right, but yeah, that's a possible bias. And this plays out in any number of different ways, depending on the culture that you're, you know, you're existing or are coming out from. Evidence in calibration, another bias. This one leads us to underestimate the confidence intervals within which our estimates will be robust. That is, to conflict the best case scenario with the most probable. So what this simply means is, when we and we do this a lot, you want to start a business. You've already, in your mind, you've already bought the car you're going to drive. You've already calculated the billions that are going to be in your account. You are taking the best case scenario of this action. And once you do that, what you begin to do is that you begin to create most probable outcomes. understand so you you in your mind because you have chosen this direction created best and you're working with best case scenarios you start to create probabilities to support that decision these are a lot of biases that exist in the minds of a lot of people and it will help you you know to become conscious about them and to you know adjust for them and to grow out of them and to not let them limit you again in today's episode my assignment is to remind you that you are your own employee so that you're going to be able to break limitations and accelerate thank you Woo.